Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 16. It says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give uh, you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. And so this whole time so far as we've getting, getting, as we've uh, arrived now and here in chapter 5, Paul's been defending himself against accusations that, um, one, he was uh, double standard in his speech, that uh, he said it was going to come to the Corinthian Christians and he hadn't, that uh, uh, what authority that he had to speak uh, on behalf, and he said they were his authority, and all these other things that uh, he had been dealing with so far in the first couple of chapters, talking about the fact that uh, of who he is and having to defend himself as one sent by God, a messenger, uh, preaching the gospel, proclaiming the truth of the gospel, and all that. And so he, he's saying here uh, that, and he's been telling them, like, you are my um, authority by which I speak, are, because I've come on behalf of the Lord to give you the gospel, and you've received that. And as he's talking here in the last uh, verses that we looked at last week, he was talking about this earthly house, our tent. And, and he, the Bible likens our bodies to a tent. And he's saying, listen, I, I look forward to being in heaven. I look forward to being out of this earthly tent and, so, uh, and to be with the Lord. But in the meantime, in the meantime, the thing that drives me, the thing that keeps me going, if you would, the word he used in verse 14, is, it, it says, for the love of Christ compels. And so I want to ask you guys to think about that. One of the things I want to leave you with today before we go is I want you to think about what compels you. What compels you? And so uh, what I mean is like uh, right now uh, we had friends visiting and stuff and we were talking about surfing and, and all that. We might go surfing on uh, Christmas Eve morning since I'm off work that morning. I have to be here at night. But So we're talking about surfing and you know it's one of those things where for me getting up early in the morning isn't, I don't normally do it. I don't have to. But when we go surfing, we'll leave the house at 5, 6 in the morning and all that. And I'll get up to go surf early, like all the time, whenever I can, you know. And, and it's no big deal. So that the idea of going to the beach, the idea of surfing and stuff, it, it compels me to like, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go and, and all that stuff. But here, the thing that drives Paul to share the gospel is the love of Christ in him. His change transformed life, the 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 whole idea that Christ has changed him from the inside out, and it's what compels him to go and share the gospel. 
And so here's the thing we see and understand, and we talked about the fact that um, because of one man's sin, Adam, and so in sharing that, we share how sin entered the world through Adam. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through his sin, and in the same way death came to all men because all sin. One of the things that Paul addresses when he uh, uh, thinks about the account of the fall in Genesis was this, that he didn't say sin originated with man, but that sin entered through man. Sin did not originate through man. It originated through Satan. And the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, tell us, uh, it tells us that the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 9, that the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, and he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so after his fall, he entered the Garden of Eden. And we see in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, that uh, he attempted Eve through the pride, through pride and through disobeying God. And so though the message and direction was given originally to Adam, we see that Adam was uh, charged uh, with this sin also because it says that this is because it had been given the commandment directly by God. We see that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And so through his disobedience, sin made its entrance into the world. And as we think about that, one of the things that I want to point out is this. It, this is, it gives light to or answers the question about why evil exists. It, is, it exists because choices were made to disobey God, and evil is the result. Evil is the consequence of man's decisions, uh, not the design of God. And so we think about that, we read scriptures like Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 20. For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Or Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, not one. Or Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. And so this is what Paul's been writing about, that one day every human being will stand before God. And he picks up here in verse 9, it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. And so here's these, what he's saying is, right now in our earthly body, because we're thinking about eternity, he's saying we need to have a heavenly mindset. Our goal must persistently be to please God. So my question to you guys this morning is this, does your behavior coincide with what you believe? Does your behavior coincide with what you believe? When we think about our behavior, when we think about what we do, do we think about what God has done for us? If we do, that should be the motivating factor for us to do something for Him. You know, when we change our lives, you know, like, again, Saul on that road to Damascus said, Lord, Lord, what is it that you have for me? And he's like, instantly was like, Lord, what's your plan for me? I'm, I, what do you want from me? Or the disciples, and he's like, hey, you know what? I want you guys to leave everything, leave your business, leave your father and mother and take up your cross and follow me. I want you to follow me. And they did. For us, what motivates us? What drives us? 
have we had that changed life? You know, hopefully, I know a lot of you have grown up in church and stuff, but do you remember that time when you gave your life to the Lord? Do you remember the time when you and the Lord had this deeper encounter than ever before? And in that deeper encounter, you just felt like, man, Lord, you love me. I know I've heard it my whole life. I've, I've been told it. I've seen it and been to camps. I've served. I've done this. I've done that. But man, this one point in your life where you and God just connected in a way that was so deep and so intimate. And you're like, wow, I just... I didn't realize it could be like this. I've heard about it, but here it is, me and the Lord. It's one of those things, you guys, that I want to ask you to think about that because for Paul, he had that encounter, and because the Lord transformed his life, he says in Philippians, like his old life was rubbish. It was trash. It was nothing compared to this knowing the Lord truly. But when we know the Lord truly, it will change how we see life as a whole and because our our view of eternity and it's one of those things that i know life is so crazy right now with covid and lockdowns and zoom school and this thing and that thing but here's the thing like when you go out anywhere everywhere do you see people the way jesus sees people compassionate, loving, like sheep without a shepherd. You know, it's crazy, like on Friday, I had to run some errands and start and finish Christmas shopping was, was kind of nice. Like I was able to only need to get a couple of things and I started and I finished all in what, a couple hours. So that was cool. But here's the thing. I went to Victoria Gardens real quick. They didn't have what I was looking for, but I was there for a little bit and I'm like, oh, it's crowded. And it really wasn't crowded. It was just I didn't realize everybody had to line up outside because they're not letting them in stores, but one or two at a time. I finished there, went to Ontario Mills. I actually knew what store I needed to go to. Went in, asked them if they had a certain size shoe. They did and was able to buy them and I was able to leave. It was kind of nice. Like I was there only a short time. But seeing people walk around and stuff and, and, and you've seen the the... The fact that people are spending money they don't have because of COVID and stuff. Like people are like trying to make Christmas normal when it's not normal right now and all this other stuff that's happening. But how about when you see your friends? How about when you're at a grocery store or something else? Or how about when you see your friends and stuff? Or, you know, like when you see people at school, I know it's been crazy this last year, but when you see friends at school, when you see young people at the mall or at the shops in Chino Hills or wherever it might be, like, do you see people with the same eyes that Jesus sees them in need of a shepherd? People who are lost, people who are seeking attention, people who are trying to find their identity in everything but the Lord. Because Paul, he saw that and he wanted to honor God in everything he did. And he made it his aim this side of heaven that I want to serve the Lord and I want God to be honored and blessed until he takes me home. I really believe that that's why at the end of his life he can say there in 2 Timothy, I fought the good fight, I finished my race. Done everything that the Lord had for me. And so he says, 
not only did be well pleasing, but he says, because we must all appear before the judgment seat. This judgment seat, you guys, was the bema seat. It, it, it was a seat that was used that the Roman magistrate would use uh, as an act of judgment. And he's saying, listen, we're all going to stand before the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 10 and give it an account, if you would, or according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This is one of the things that's important because the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. It says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I've come, uh, I can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. In other words, he's saying, I know the right things. I could say the right things, but I don't do them. They're not in my heart, and I'm, I'm not living them out. And this is one of the things that, listen, God knows. God knows between you and I. God knows between uh, you and Him. First Corinthians chapter 3, uh, it says this in verse 12 through 15. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone works which he has built on it and endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, and yet so as through fire." And so the reminder is this, is we live for the Lord or we're going to die with the Lord or for the Lord. It says in Romans 14, verse 8 through 10, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. By but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, what he's saying is, you and I are responsible for you and I. You're responsible for you. And you cannot compare to me, and I can't compare to you. But when we look at that, the Bible says we are going to stand before the Lord. And our actions, if we say we love God, do we? Was there, is there evidence in your life of that? See, I would hate for you or I to stand before the Lord and He says, depart from me, I never knew you. you. You say you did things in my name, but you just went through the motions. It was just all talk. There was no uh, love relationship between you and God. See, I really believe this is important. My question to you is, in this relationship that you have with the Lord, do you have this healthy fear? It says in verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That terror means fear or a reverence for. Because of the reverence I have for God, I want to persuade men about the, with the gospel. Do you look for opportunities? Do you take those opportunities to share about the love of Christ? I really believe that right now in our society, it's one of the most easiest, powerful times to share the Lord. Like a lot of people don't want to hear it, but at the same time, like people are stressed, especially you guys, people who work retail. 
again, I was telling you, I went to Ontario Mills for a sec the other day, and I was like, what is all these people doing? And there's like lines in the middle of the mall. I don't know if you guys have been there, but like in the middle of the mall, and I was like, what are the lines for? And it was for the stores. And so to get into the store, you had to get in line and stuff. And the lines were crazy. And, but I'm just thinking about like, more than that, like the workers. Even when I was leaving and I was leaving Victoria Gardens to go to Ontario Mills, I'm getting on that street, Day Creek or whatever it is right there. And I look over towards Best Buy, if you guys know the area. And there's like these cars all lined up and going around the building. I was like, what is that? And I look and I'm like, oh, that's a line for Chick-fil-A. The line for Chick-fil-A went around the buildings in the back of the like REI and stuff and then around to the front. And so I'm like, dude, that's crazy. And I'm thinking, this is what went through my mind, those poor workers. <laughs> because that's a lot of work and people come, by the time they get to you to order and stuff, they're, they're angry. They're angry because they're hangry. They're hungry and angry and it's been a long time. And even though the line goes long and, you know, they're upset and everything else. And, you know, we can get like that, right? And yet here, it's not these people's fault. Like they're cranking that food out as fast as they could and doing the best they can. And yet people will still yell at them for no reason. It's not, not even their fault. And they got to take it. And so what a great opportunity for us as believers to be like, hey, it's cool. Hey, I'm, you know, and again, I've told you before, when somebody says, hey, sorry about the weight, whatever, and you're like, ah, oh, it's all good. Like, it's a busy time. It's crazy. Like, it's all good. Like, when we're showing love and compassion and, and, and all that towards other people, like, it goes a long way. The other thing that we can do right now, whether it's with your friends whoever, hey, I'm praying for you. Listen, when you say, hey, I'm praying for you, or you ask, hey, can I pray for you for anything? It really opens this door to let down guards of, and walls and stuff because even when people, they don't believe God and stuff like that, they often will still let you pray for them because they want people to care about them. They want to see that there's hope. Paul's desire to serve the Lord faithfully and encourage people to salvation drove him. It drove him. So what drives you? What drives you? See, we get into things, and with those things, we want to know, like, if you guys have ever been into anything in particular, you might often look up things about that stuff. You know, for me, like, I follow a lot of surfing things, and I look at different size boards and shapes and different things like what's popular and why and what are people surfing on and why you know short boards long boards and different shapes and things like that and there's such a science to it and, and the technology that goes into making surfboards and stuff it's crazy and it interests me and because it interests me I'm constantly looking up and trying to and, and finding out what's out there and I can't afford to buy another one and stuff and I have enough already but like I'm still interested. And there's other ones I'm like, oh, I'd love to try that board or that board or that board and, you know, all these things. And, you know, these pros get, uh, I don't know if I told, I think I told you guys before, pros, when they surf a contest, if they're um, sponsored by a surfboard shaper, they usually get anywhere from 8 to 12 boards 
shaped for them per contest. For just that set of waves, they'll get like 8 to 10 to 12 boards shaped for them. It's crazy. And I'm like, I save up years to buy one board. <laughs> like, driving. What drives us? For Paul, his changed life in Christ, his knowledge of the Lord, his relationship with the Lord drove him to want to make sure that everybody around him heard the gospel. It's the one thing that mattered. Salvation, hope, eternal life. And I wonder to, well, I want to leave you with the question of this is, how much of that drives you? When you see people, how much of that drives you? Like how much of you wants them to know about the Lord? See, when we get into verse like uh, 12, what he's saying is we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast. Our... And see, Paul knew what he was saying when he's saying that I want to give you opportunity, the Corinthian Christians, to boast because they, didn't re... they, they weren't all boastful about his, like, wait a minute, you're going through trials? You're not showing up when you said all these other things? Like, you want us to speak highly of you? But they have all this doubt in their head. And yet he's saying, listen, because of this relationship with the Lord, because they see him still going and, and the trials that he's faced and he's still persevering, it's those things. He's saying that you might see through the trials and struggles what it's like to continue on and how the Lord keeps you. But see, here's the thing. To, it says at the, in verse 12, it says, but to those who may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. See, one of the problems with the Corinthian Christians is that they like those who, they look good in appearance, but not in heart. See, they look down on Paul because he was all heart, but his appearance wasn't what a leader should be, or so they thought. And yet, the heart is what matters, and this is one of the things he was trying to get across. When we do something and who we are, what is our heart? What is the motive behind it? See, I believe the Corinthian Christians believed that Paul was probably crazy because he seemed content with the life of pain, trials, and discomfort. Not that he was, he was but it brought glory to God. That was everything that drove him, was that his life brought glory to God. What brings, what, what drives us? Do we even think about that we want our life to bring glory to the Lord? It says this, For if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. See, Paul doesn't want the, the Corinthian Christians to think he was deliberately acting in a way that some might think him crazy. He was just saying like, Everything I'm doing, though, is for the Lord. And it says, and he, and he responds to it by verse 14, saying, for, for the love of Christ compels me. It's the love that he had for the Lord, the love that Christ had for him, that compelled him to share the gospel, to see a changed life. And again, one of the things I want to point out to you guys is this. Think about this. Like, 
I've told you this before, but if you see somebody in life going, wouldn't it be amazing if they were a Christian? The impact that that person's life could be, the impact that their life can be if they were actually a solid believer. And like how they can change somebody's life. You know, it's interesting because I don't follow him and his stuff, but like Kanye West, when he started having these like church services or whatever, like, and he would fill up the, the, um, oh, the forum, right? Where the Lakers used to play. And they would have like Sunday church. Apparently you had to pay or something or whatever, but it's like, I heard there was a gospel message. I heard it was like, like good. I, I don't know. But here's a guy who's got such popularity and all that stuff. And if he's truly legit as a believer, like imagine the impact that this man could have because of his popularity, because of his following and everything else with sharing the gospel. And God gives that open form. But here's the thing, like when you have this changed life, I want to get away from like the popular people like Kanye West and stuff because me, I'll never be like that. You, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. But we have, a, we have an opportunity right now to impact those around us, the people in our lives, in our circle, and we have an opportunity this side of heaven until the Lord takes us home to have that mindset of like, Lord, use me. Lord, I want people to know about your love, your grace and mercy because it's changed me. It's transformed my life from the inside out. It's given me hope. It's given me so much. So my question to you is this, what compels you? Does Christ's love compel you? Do you see people the way Christ sees people? Do you have that foundation in your ministry, in your life saying, listen, because God loves me and I know what he's called me to, my actions are going to be uh, correlate with that. They're going to be just down the same road. So he says in verse 15, and if uh, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for, the, for him who died for... And so he's saying... His death is able to save all who will come to Him. But as it is true of that, He says that um, we should live no longer. Again, when, when you think about what you live for, I find it interesting that oftentimes people work to pay their bills. And what I mean by that is all of a sudden they're working more and more hours. They buy more toys and this and that. And all of a sudden, they, they're, they're, they're working so much, 60, 40, 50, 60, 80 hours a week, they don't even get to enjoy their family, their toys, and everything else because they're working to pay for all that stuff. The big house that they bought, the, you know, the, the off-road cars, the this thing and that thing. And, you know, and yet, some people live for that. They live to have all these bells and whistles and all the toys and everything else. My question to you, the question that I have to ask myself is, do I live for the Lord? <clears throat> my lifestyle, am I willing to get up and go, Lord, wherever you send me? When I'm at a store, when I'm out shopping, when I'm 
whatever I'm doing, if I'm in the water surfing, if I'm out doing this or doing that, am I able to live out my faith? Does my behavior correlate with what I say I believe? Listen, I want to encourage you guys. It says again, to those who live, we should live no longer for ourselves. Do you live for the Lord? Do your, does your actions support that? Do you live for the Lord and do your actions support that? Does your mindset support that? Does the things you listen to, the things you watch, the things that you allow in your life, does it support this? And again, when you and I see people, does it support this? Because I really believe the love of Christ should compel us too. It should motivate us. It should be that driving force within us. 1 John 4, verse 19 to 21 says this, We love Him because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment we have from Him, that, we who loves, uh, that he who loves God must love his brother also. This is it. This is what love is. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, Paul says this, But whatever was profit to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the suppressing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Listen, because He's shown love for us, not because we have to do things to make Him love us, but because He's shown love for us, to us, thus we respond. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that He made you alive because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And do we know that? Do we believe that? Do we find our life in Him? Listen, people are worried. People are crazy right now about who's going to be president and who's not and who's this and who's that. And people are, and, which is crazy. Because God knows what He's doing. And I really believe with all my heart that we need to have a better eternal perspective today than ever before. Because I don't think people have it. And I think we need to have it. And in having it, when we'll see people the way Christ, Christ sees them, it's going to change the way we treat each other. It's going to change everything. Now, I believe a lot of people will reject that love. But you won't know if they'll reject it or accept it if you don't give it. And I really believe it's time that you and I stand up and live out our faith in a way that God has called us to. Listen, he says in verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ. It says according to the flesh, yet now we know him no longer. And so what he's saying is this, we want to know Christ by the Spirit, not merely know of Him through what others speak about, but we want to know Him. Lord, I want to know You in an intimate way. Lord, I want to understand, like the way Paul understood, 
the way Peter understood, the way you encountered people, Lord, in the scriptures, like, I want to understand. I want to understand and I want to have the same mindset that, Lord, I want to groan that in this tent, Lord, I long to be with you. I long to go to heaven. I long for, um, Lord, this that ultimate peace. I look forward to eternal life. Lord, I want to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, teach me what that means, Lord. I want to, everything I do to give you glory and honor, Lord. Teach me what that means and how to do that. Listen. Do we present ourselves to the Lord to say, Lord, here I am to live for you? And it isn't like you have to be in full-time ministry, full-time working at a church and everything else. Matter of fact, one of the things that happens sometimes, you guys, at working at a church, it hinders you from being out in, in the world. Does that make sense? One of my favorite jobs I ever worked I was in college, I was in Bible college, and I worked at a music store, it's called Music Plus. It was a worldly place. It was a great place to work to share the gospel. People are coming in about music, we rented videos and stuff. It was right here on Central in Philadelphia where CVS is. Later became Blockbuster Video and Music, but I loved working there. Because I'm going to Bible college and I'm learning about sharing my faith and I went to work to share my faith. I don't come to work to share my faith because everybody I work with is Christians, I think. <laughs> you would hope. But when I was working at the music store, when I worked other jobs like that, like it was a great opportunity because I'm working with people that don't know the Lord. And I was actually able to share with them. Because they would share with me about their lifestyles. And I was able to share about mine. Do you take those opportunities? Or do you hide your faith? Are you ashamed of what you believe? If so, why? If you're ashamed, I really believe it's because you haven't connected in a deeper way in your walk with God the way He wants you to. To know how much He loves you and forgives you, and heals, and offers you grace, and love, and peace, and mercy. And when we, when we truly receive that, and walk in that, we'll want nothing other than to tell people about it. Listen, I'll close. Christmas will be here in a few days. And depending on if you get what you wanted or not, I bet most of you will be talking about, oh, I already got my present from my family. I needed new cologne, and it, it was already on sale, so I went and got it and told Brandy, I go, I got my Christmas present from you. Thank you. So I'm good. And, uh, but here's the thing. like, We often share. Look what I got. Look at this. I want to show, show you what I have or what I received or whatever. And we get into that. I was talking last service about one of our leaders, he bought a PS5 for himself and stuff. And I was asking him, why do you want this? Why did you get it? What's so good about it? What's so worth it? And it didn't convince me, but for him, it was the graphics are better and this thing and that thing and all that other stuff. Okay. The speed of it and I don't know. 
To me, it's still a waste of money, but that's just me. But he can tell me all these things. He could tell me all these things because he did the research. He looked it up. He knew why he wanted it, and he went and got it. And it's one of those things, you guys, like when we get something new or when we have something, we like to show people like, hey, check this out. Look it. Because I bet you've done this before. I bet you'll do it again. When you see your friends, just, hey, what would you get for Christmas? And so we talk about those things. And by the way, I encourage you, if you don't get what you wanted, please don't be upset. This year has been trial. <laughs> this year has been just nuts. We should just be thankful we have roofs over our heads and stuff, like, to be honest, right? But here's the thing. I want my mindset to be that of, Lord, I want you to be glorified in everything I do and everything I say. I know it's not always, but I want it to be. And, Lord, I want to have an eternal perspective. So when I see people, Lord, that they, I would see them, if they're believers, I would encourage. If they're not, Lord, that I would want them to be. And I would take every effort to somehow present the gospel or pray for them to somehow bring in the truth of the hope that we have in Christ. My question to you and leave you with is, do you have that same mindset? And if not, why not? Maybe the reason is you and the Lord aren't connecting and you're not putting forth that effort to connect with Him. But just like you would do research on the things that you would like, may you do research on the Lord. Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your path. Lord, teach me who you are and how you operate, that I might know you truly. And that, Lord, when I understand that depth of love that you have for me, then I might share it with those, anyone, everyone I come in contact with. Where are you at in all that? Does the love of Christ compel you?